good to be in church. How many, how many know that this place used to be a, a disco dancing place? Huh? Now it's a, used to be a bar. Hallelujah. Now how many here were here when it used to be a bar? There's one right there. There's another one. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, if I'd have lived around here and I wasn't saved, I might have probably been in here too. Hallelujah. It's a good thing to be here tonight in this conference and this rally. It really is a blessing to see what the Lord's doing in this church. It's tremendous. And I just, uh, I'm amazed as I see God work. And sometimes you look at things and you say, well, it's kind of a matter of fact. We expected this. We went in this direction. But you know what? It isn't just a matter of fact. It's a marvelous miracle. There are people here tonight that are saved. And people here that know the will of God for their life, are baptized in the Holy Spirit, know that God's got a plan for their life. And it's just a blessing to, to be here. I believe we made a right decision in having this rally here and taking it out beyond our church and, and taking it again into Cortez, Colorado. So we're taking this word and going with it. Hallelujah. We're not just having church. We're taking the church to the world. And I've been in churches where they're just having church. We're not doing that. We're having church, but we're taking the church to the world. Hallelujah. Getting people saved. The best way to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ is not in television. It's not in radio. Those, those can be tools. But the best way to spread the gospel is to disciple men and send couples out and start churches and plant those churches. It's a tremendous thing that God does when we're willing to take those that we need and those that we love and have great uh, appreciation for and they're the, primarily the best we have and then send them away and see what God does through their life. It uh, has been a while, I guess as Pastor said, 16 years since we met and uh, it's tremendous to see the, for lack of a better way of putting it, the, the serendipity. It's like God just, you look at it and you say, this isn't coincidence, this is a God thing. And that God has a plan for our life. Every person here tonight will be able to relate to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. How God saved them from something. How God closed a door and opened another door how they felt they were a loser and they missed it and there was no hope and how God turned that around and did something great for them. It's a wonderful thing to know that. So you're in a good place here tonight. Well, what happened several years back is um, a work of the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, and then I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I wish the pastors I'd sat under in the churches I grew up in would do something they had never done before. <laughs> I just about could predict when the offering was going to be and when the service would be over. Likewise, verse, verse 26, chapter 8, Romans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God and we know 
that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, tonight, we've lived a while, we've seen quite a bit, been through some stormy times, and wondered at times where God was in all of this. How would God get glory out of this? But I'm here to tell you tonight that he has a plan. We don't always understand it, but he's the one who brings it to pass. I might have a dream but, or a vision, but I can't make it happen, but the Holy Spirit can make it happen. If we just be watching and be willing and obedient to the Holy Spirit. You see, there are three R's that the Lord gave me. And number one, he said, recognize. The Holy Spirit is doing something. He's moving. But many of us don't recognize it. We just live through it and go on at a breakneck speed, hoping things are going to get better. But when we recognize, there's something good that begins to develop. God's pleased with that. Not just, oh, this is just the way it uh, happened. No. The second thing is to rely on. Where we have no hope, there's nothing that can happen in this world like what he can do. We have, there's no answer. There's no counselor. There's no politician. There's no, nothing, not money, not talent, not degrees, not all the good looks that you folks have tonight. But I'm telling you, it is so important to rely upon him. A third thing is to respond. It's one thing to rely, but it's another thing to respond. And that's where the real test is. Will we, will we respond? Will we respond? You know, Marie's not here. I wish she was here tonight. She's taking care of kids, and that's good. She's taking care of business at home so that uh, we can do what we do. But how I met her is an amazing thing. I wasn't even, I wasn't even living for God. Now, I'm not telling you that you can just live like a heathen and expect God to work everything out. You might end up somewhere you don't want to be. But I had a father that prayed and a mama who prayed. And I knew the fear of God. And, and so it is that I, I had a distant relationship, but I wasn't right with God. And when I came to Elks Theater, she was working in the box office where she'd uh, sell the tickets. And a ticket back then was 85 cents. Yeah, glory to God's right. We'd go more often. It ain't that much now. And after you get you in there, they charge you an arm and a leg just with a popcorn. And I slather it. I say, slather it with, with butter. Amen. But I walked up there and didn't know her. And I asked her for a date, asked her to go out. So we just go get a Coke or something. She said, you look a little bit young for me. <clears throat> Why don't you just ask my little sister? I said, well, what's her name? I'm pretty desperate, you know. <laughs> what's her name? But then I kept antagonizing her, and she called the police on me. I was a little bit drunk at the time, I have to admit it. But before they could get there, I got away. But I came back for another dose. Hallelujah. Don't give up, men. Don't give up. Hallelujah. You never know what God might do. And so she said, all right, I'll go. And it's amazing to me. 
how God has put things together in our family. I could have never done that. I could have never managed that. And I see now on television, sometimes they got these dating or these matchmaking deals. Can you imagine what kind of demon-possessed person you might get on one of those things? She probably hits you in the, in the head while you're sleeping. Amen. But God had his hand in it. Now, I'm going somewhere tonight. I tell you something, your steps, your thoughts, God's will will happen and he'll just cause it to happen if you're willing to be led. Hallelujah. So one of the things that happened was that Pastor Blake was down in Costa Rica. And I want him to just come up for a few minutes and just tell us how he met Dustin and what came out of that relationship as it relates to Sarah. Okay? Give him a hand clap. Well, like like uh, like Pastor said, we we were down in Costa Rica doing a ministry and doing what we thought was was what God wanted. It was and it was good. It was doing something. But we met. I met Pastor Dustin on the basketball court, and uh, that's a good place for me and him. That's one of our favorite places. And uh, we began to uh, build a relationship after we figured each other out. We looked each other over a lot and trying to figure each other out while we were both down there. And uh, then he began to tell me about pastor about the fellowship about what we did and uh, I, I began to get a hunger for what they were doing and then he began to see I believe what I was doing but that it wasn't to the full capacity of what I could do for the Lord because I didn't have a covering I didn't have you know someone to be accountable to and so we began to build a relationship and, and kind of got ahead of you there a second ago but we pastor flew us down all the way to to to, call, to Colorado Springs without knowing us and, and that was destiny. That was a step to where we began to see that this, this is where God wants the future for us. This is where God wants us to raise, like I said in my message this morning, raise our kids. Where we have examples of people who've made it through the ministry and raised their kids in godly homes and raised their kids in a fellowship of churches that are doing it right and doing it different and standing for, for something uh, that, that a lot of people aren't standing for. And so as, as that began to happen and we began to get plugged into the, to the church and began to learn the vision, uh, I, I had to have a lot of a correction and learn how to, how to do things right, amen, because I had been raised, you know, a different way. And we talked about that this morning as well. But because of those things and our friendship and, and what God was doing, looking back now all these years later, um, so many things have happened because of that that we never would have seen happen. I mean, you know, the, this, the leading up to Sarah, who's their daughter, was that, uh, you know, with us answering the call to be in Costa Rica and then, and then hooking up with, with Victory World Outreach, uh, my father-in-law had a restaurant, a uh, good Mexican restaurant, and he had a lady in his, in his uh, restaurant who worked for her, for him, and uh, he began to tell me about her life even, and that she was kind of promiscuous. She had several kids out of wedlock and she couldn't really raise them. And I had that in the back of my head. And one time, uh, P- Pastor Dustin said, you know what, we, we want to adopt. We're thinking about adopting. You think there's a kid that we could, how, how could we do this? And uh, something happened and something happened in my spirit where I said, let me talk to my father-in-law. And I talked to my father-in-law and he said, I think that she'd, I think she'd give that, girl, that baby up for adoption. And one thing led to another and, and uh, we talked to the lady, and she said she would do it. 
which is a miracle. And then Pastor Dustin mentioned in his message last Sunday how the things, just one thing led to another, where we were able to um, get them back in time. They got in hours before Sarah was born. They flew in and literally got, I picked them up at the airport at midnight, got them to the hotel by about midnight, and about 4 o'clock in the morning I was calling them that she's going into labor. Four hours. And, and Sarah, uh, Sarah was able to be handed into Rochelle's hands as, as an adopted baby, and that just doesn't happen. Amen? And, and then, of course, that leads on to so many other things that, that we, we just don't know what God is doing in the long run. But we have to stay in what God's doing long enough to see where God wants it to go. And we've talked about that several times this week, that here we are in Denton having this rally. And 16 years ago, we would have never thought that we'd be in Texas, that we'd have churches, that three other, that two other churches would be here now, that God would be doing so many things that started on that basketball court of just listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. And I, I just want to say as I give it back to Pastor once again that I'm so thankful. My wife is so thankful. I know that my daughters are so thankful for our fellowship, for, that, that they can be raised I'm very proud of my daughters, but they, they can be raised in a fellowship where they can look around and see other kids who've, who've made it or not made it, but this fellowship has helped my children grow up in God. Stay away from the world and be good, good girls that love the Lord. And, it, and it would not, they, I, they would tell you that. I mean, we'd be good parents, but it would not have happened without the help of this fellowship. And I give credit to that and to our pastor and to everything else because of it. Amen. Good, excellent, yeah. Praise God. Now, he told how uh, Sarah became uh, our granddaughter, how that all developed, and it, it was a tremendous story of how God spoke to Dustin while we were in, or while he was in Colorado Springs, that you need to go now. He felt an urgency. His ticket wasn't for another week, I think, and or later, but he changed his ticket. And we wondered why, you know, but he said, I just feel like I need to get back down to Costa Rica. And so he changed his ticket. But there's another story I want you to hear. Testing. I want you to hear this story from uh, Jonathan Bland about his mother, Ellie. Jonathan was born in Malawi. And his parents went there as missionaries with the Assemblies of God. And uh, a miracle happened where she was driving in a, a land in a place that was very dangerous i don't know where he is uh come up here jonathan and tell us about that i used it in a sermon in colorado springs it's a fantastic story and tell us about the part where someone was praying but didn't know why they were praying praise god so my parents were missionaries in malawi and uh after my dad died they uh my mom had to go back and take care of a lot of business we were back and forth there our, their, their whole lives. And so she went back by herself, and she had to go to different parts to uh, Deza to the long way of the capital. And, and uh, she's, my mom's fearless. I mean, she's 77 and still rides a Harley. But I'm telling you the truth. I tried to keep her off it, but I gave up. Amen. But anyway, so she just got herself a car, and she took off across Africa to take care of different business there. And she was by herself, and uh, she knew the basic roads from back when they lived there still. And so she came back. There was the 
there was two countries. I believe it was Mozambique, but I, I can't remember for sure. But I think it was on the border of Mozambique and Malawi. And uh, they'd been fighting. There'd been war there for a long time. And so she drove through that area, took care of the business, and she got back. And she was staying with some other missionaries. And they told, when they got back, they said, well, how'd it go? And where'd you go? And, and she told them, they said, you went through this area? She said, yeah, this is, it was the quickest way. They said, you don't ever go through that area. It's full of landmines. And, um, you know, it was already done. She was back in one piece, so she, I don't think she thought too much about it. But uh, she took care of things, and, and, uh, and then when she got home, she got a phone call from a friend of hers that had been in Bible school with them back here in, in actually Fort Worth, uh, Waxahachie, yeah, Waxahachie. And they were in Bible school together, and this friend called her. They had not seen each other for many, many years and uh, didn't keep in close contact, but she called her. And she pulled out her diary, and she says, Ella, where, where were you on this date and this time? And so my mama went back, and she kept a, a journal from when she was in Malawi. And at, at that exact time was the time that she was driving through those landmines. And this friend told her, she said, I, in the middle of the night, because it's opposite times, she said, the Spirit of God got me up and said, pray for Ella. And so she prayed, and not having talked to this friend for many years, she got down on her knees, she interceded for my mom, and my mom came back in one piece because of that. I don't have any doubt. Amen. Praise God. That's tremendous. That's amazing. And you know, a word of knowledge is that God is going to give this church a miracle of money. I'm talking large money and open doors for you. Tremendous things are in the offing. Just keep on keeping on, and he will bring it to pass. So it is that uh, Dustin and Rochelle wanted a baby, and I believe they had been married, I'm not sure, maybe 15 years. Is that right? When you got Sarah? Six years. Uh, come up here and tell us how about. I'll, I know you don't want me to do this, but but it's all right. Amen. We'll kick it. Uh, this is a, this is an amazing story. Tell us. Start where you felt kind of depressed to go down, and this is what you need to do, and and then the part about where they were giving you a hassle in the hospital, and how Carla came up. Yeah, actually, I shared this on Sunday here, and uh, as Pastor Blake said, uh, we were able to meet this gal that wanted to give up her baby for adoption, and so we began the process, taking her to the doctor, taking care of her, et cetera, et cetera, <clears throat> got us a good pediatrician. Uh, uh, the, the day came for the delivery, as he said, uh, he mentioned that we had gotten in at midnight. Actually, what happened was Sarah wasn't to be born until the end of June, and we had our tickets for June the 8th. We were going to get back in time to get the baby room set up, have everything prepared in the house to bring the baby home. And for some reason, I felt a quickening in my spirit. I, I always say, you know, I'm not, I'm not the most spiritual person, but I felt a quickening in my spirit to change the date to the 6th, only two days. So I explained it to him. I said, you know, it's going to probably cost $100 per ticket, etc. I don't know why. I just feel like we need to get back down there. Uh, so we got back down there on the 6th, 
And then, of course, the next day was the 7th, and Sarah was born at 9.44 in the morning. And uh, we were able to uh, take her home that day. But what happened that day was uh, we're in the hospital, and the only way that they would release this baby, release Sarah, was if the lawyer of the hospital would sign a letter saying that we could take her home. You got to understand, in Costa Rica, the Child Protection Agency is extremely, extremely strict. And so this was almost next to impossible. We're, we're just praying. Blake showed up at the hospital. Carla's there at the hospital. We're in the waiting room. We're just praying, agreeing. We're calling people, pray with us about this. And Carla's there, and we're waiting for the lawyer to come in so we could somehow uh, plead our case with her and hope that maybe uh, she'll have compassion and empathy. So we're praying, and we're waiting there, and the this uh, woman comes in, nice dressed woman, very uh, classy. You can tell that she was somebody that had some authority, comes walking in, and she sees Carla, and Carla sees her, and Carla jumps up and runs over, and they hug each other. They hadn't seen each other since high school. The woman goes off to college. She becomes a lawyer, but all this time has passed, and they see each other, and they're 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 catching up on memories and high school and this and that. I mean, just talking 90 miles an hour and so they they go uh into her office and they talk and they come back out and because of that encounter we were able to get the papers that we needed and leave the hospital that day otherwise it would have the sarah would have gone to a foster home until the adoption process was finished which actually took us three years so we wouldn't have got her till she was three years old but by that by god moving in that way we were able to take her home that day, and it was just a complete miracle. I don't know if you. It's tremendous because uh, she didn't, Carla didn't know and that this would come to be, and they would know each other, and she was there right at the right time. You see how God has people that will help you? Amen. Now, the wonderful thing is when he went to the airport to come back to the States, he hit a glitch right there. Right. Well, by that time, that was the next conference. We wanted to come back. We tried to get back in time uh, for Christmas. That didn't work out, so we spent our Christmas there in San Jose, Costa Rica, because uh, there's a lot of red tape. They won't just let you take a baby out of the country that was born in Costa Rica. You have to have everything finalized. We had to have. The, so we're thinking, man, we're not going to leave here for another two to three years, is what our lawyer's saying. You're going to have to stay here till the adoption is done, or at least she is. And so we wanted to make it back for that conference. I think that was the, the conference, actually, that Pastor Blake uh, went to. And so we're just praying, God, you got to help us. And uh, so we went to the embassy, and we're talking with them at the embassy. And we don't, we're, not the, we're not the biological parents. You have to have the signature from the biological parents. And we're just praying, God, you got to blind the eyes of the enemy here. We want to go back and be at conference, be with our family. And so I began to... Uh, talk with the the american at the embassy and he says uh, uh who is the father i said i'm the father and began to explain this is my baby um we need to get her out of the country etc cetera, etc cetera. and he says are you willing to take a dna test i said absolutely absolutely men lie women cry <laughs> i like that <laughs> But this was the truth. I was the father. <laughs> Amen. And he left and went back for like 45 minutes. 
and came back with a passport and stamped it. And we were, we were just blown away by that. So the next thing, we went straight from there. Pastor Blake's father-in-law, Marvin, picked us up, took us straight to the airport. Then we get in the airport. Our next hurdle is to go into the child protection. They have their own office uh, in there. So we had to go in there and, and talk there. And there was a, a black lady in there. And we began to tell her we're trying to get back home to our parents. And she noticed several things were not in order. And she says, we, we can't lie. I said, I got tickets. My flight is leaving in two hours. I said, please, is there anything you can do to help us? We're, we're just, we, we were pleading our case. And she looked at us, and we looked at her, and she said, let me see what I can do. She goes back, talks to some people, and she says, you know what? I'm going to let you go. And she stamped the paper and ushered us through the waiting room. We're like, man, we're home free. It comes time for them to line up at the gate. We're about to get on the plane and go back home, and all of a sudden we hear Sarah... Elizabeth Jones, that's our daughter's name. Dustin Jones, Rochelle Jones, please come to the such and such office. We're like, they're getting on the plane. And I said, we just started walking towards the plane. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let's get on the plane, act like we didn't hear that, okay? And so we turn around, I'll make this real quick. We turn around and we see three uh, security officers, airport security coming towards us very quick. And they know it's us. We got Sarah. We got, we got our, our carry-ons. And we see them. We're like, oh, man, I'm thinking, man, we were that close. We were that close. We were almost there. And it's like I, I just kind of hung my shoulders for a minute. And I turned around. And out of nowhere, trailing these three security guards is that black lady. And she comes running. She says, no, 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 no. I've already finalized it. It's done. Go get on the airport. Go get on the plane. Go get on the plane. Amen. It's amazing. Praise. Thank you, Dustin. Praise God. It's amazing. Now, when we were in Costa Rica, we were looking for a place to start a church. And we were just driving. We don't know east from west, north from south. We don't know where to go. But we just started driving along through there, and Dustin and I, and we went through a place called Los Cuadros. Los Cuadros, we didn't know that it's the most dangerous place in all of uh, the country, that the police won't hardly go in there. Taxi drivers don't go in there. It's, it's uh, called, the church now is on the, the street of knives. And one man was killed right out the, the, of the front door of the church. And so, but we had no idea. There were weeds all over the place. The place was empty. There was nothing going. It was desolate. And we began to ask questions. What, where can we get this how can we get this and we finally got a guy I believe his name was Warren and um, we went in there and we cleaned it up and trash and weeds and painted and put a sign up and everything and that thing just began to explode with revival people getting saved and filled the Holy Spirit and free from drugs it was just a fantastic move of God but then we found out later that Warren didn't even own the building And we've been paying him, I think, uh, so much a month, $50, $80 a month. And he didn't even own it. And <laughs> it's crazy. And so we're in there, and he got that thing fixed up. And uh, I believe, I'm not sure which organization he was a part of. Did he claim to be a part of the assemblies then? No. He gave it to another, another man who was an Assembly of God church up the road. 
Yeah, he tried to give it to a man that was there, and that man's had problems that, that we're talking about since then. But uh, we, went, uh, we went to the uh, headquarters of the Assemblies of God, and I told Dustin, I'm going to make them jump out of their seats. Amen. We're going to go in there. They're going to get, we'll stir them up. And we stirred them up. And sure enough, they jumped up out of their seats. And I said, am, I said Dustin, tell them, am I speaking Chinese? All I could hear was Chino. But we got that. We got that building. One of the beautiful things about that is in those people who were coming, it was really a, it's really a desperate area. In those people that were coming, there was a lady who brought her daughter, and her name is Joanna. And Joanna was in that church at the time. Ben was in language school, and, of course, he went to that church. And uh, he began to question about who this girl was. And I want you, Ben, you want to say a word about that? Huh? You're always wanting to preach. Here's your chance. He, he asked me today, he said, you think, you think I can preach in Russia? We're going to Russia. I said, yeah, you can preach in Russia. All right, so you saw this young lady there, right? And uh, tell me what happened there. You get a little uh, sparking going. Yeah. Went down in 2000 before the 9/11 happened, and was um, we were just about two, about a month in in the language school. And so we went down with Kirk and Vega and I went down to learn the language, and um, I didn't know no Spanish at all, but I was helping out Pastor Dustin in the church there and started helping me out. And um, I asked Rochelle and I asked Dustin, I said. I said, who is that girl with long hair? I said, who is that? <laughs> well, I told him, I said, I said, hey, Dust, will you ask her, ask her out for me? <laughs> well, I finally got him to help me out. And so I got him, asked her mom to ask her out for me. And she said, yeah. And so we went to the, a Salvadorian place. And the only way I could communicate was through a, um, the flashcards. I'm not Spanish. <laughs> but it took that time. I just started learning it and picking it up. And then, I, you know, we started we're going out more and more. <laughs> and so, yeah. We went to the mall, right? we, we went, I took her to the malls, took her <laughs> to um, the escalator. We took, it was, she never, uh, she'd been on a few times, but she didn't know really how to go on it. So I had to help her out. <laughs> So, yeah, she wrote it, and she learned it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And um, her mother uh, would bring her up to the church, right, for you and her to go on a date. But when you were to be back at a certain time, her mother was standing right there by the church. Is that right? Waiting for her. Wow. Isn't that amazing? All right. Thank you, Ben. Good job. So, Joanna... Joanna is uh, from Nicaragua, and she's there, and Ben's saying, you know, I'd like to marry her. I'd like for her to, be coming to come to the States. And so we began the process. I went to senators, people, governors, government, every, all kinds of red tape. We went through everything, and it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. And finally, I just got on the phone, and I'm praying. I said, I said God, I need you here. Help us. And I spoke in tongues, and I pleaded. I said, Holy Spirit, help us. Well, I just got on the phone. I called the embassy, American embassy in 
Nicaragua. The man answered the, the phone. I said, listen, I, I'm here in the United States. My son met a young lady in language school in the church there, and they know each other. They've uh, planned to get married, but she's in Nicaragua. There's nothing that I can't get anyone to help me. And he said, well, I'll tell you what you do. You call back at between 3.30 and 4.30, and there's a, a lady here that will help you, and her name is Rochelle. So I said, okay. At 4, I hadn't gotten a call. So, or I, I, uh, I, She was actually going to call me, but he said, I'll have her call. But if she doesn't, you call her. So at by 4, I'm antsy. I'm waiting, and I go ahead, and I picked up the phone and called. And this young man at the front answered the call, and I said, I need help here. Our son is interested in getting married to a young lady there. They've served in a church together. He's been to language school. Uh, can you help us? He said, well, I can't help you, but uh, there is a lady here that I told you about, and he said, uh, she, she can help you. So I got on the phone, called, and he gave me the extension number. I put the extension number in, and this girl answers the phone on the other end. And I said, hello, I'm Pastor Ron Jones, calling for our son, and uh, we'd like to get uh, him over, or bring her, rather, to the United States, and we're not getting anywhere with this. And um, I asked her, I said, you're Rochelle, right? And it was quiet. She said, how did you get my name? I said, well, the guy at the front told me to talk to Rochelle. And she said, who was he? And I said, Juan. She said, Juan. And I said, that's who, that's who it was. And she, no pun intended here. She, she said, there's no Juan up there. <laughs> no, just by the name Juan. Nobody there. And I said, well, she said, uh, my mother is the only one that ever called me Rochelle, and she's been dead five years. That's the truth. It's just like that. And uh, she, she had a, I can't remember if she had what other name we would have talked to her about, but she did the paperwork. And we went down, that was on Saturday. We got a plane, got, went down on Monday, and went in there. And before I went down, she said, get your pencil and do all these things. There are about 10 things. And I wrote them down. We went in and waited, and she said, don't go to anyone else except my office or my window. And so we opened that window open. We went up there. And she went through everything, told us what to do. She had to get a police check. She had to get all this medical done and everything. And make a long story short, she gave us an envelope. And she said, it was a big manila envelope. She said, don't open this or they'll send you right back. And so we took that. And it's an amazing thing. Within 10 days, we were on the plane, landing in Texas, somewhere, I believe it was Houston. And went in there. And this girl had never been on a plane that I know of. And... They laid that down, and the woman opened it up, went through it like that, and she looked at Joanne and said, Welcome to America. And then she got her, praise God. Then she, she got her citizenship, held that little hand up, said, I'll defend this country with arms and whatever it takes. Amen. She's just a little gal. Bar of soap, I tell her. She's just a little thing. I said, Now you're a citizen. Now you can be a Republican and help us vote. Hallelujah. Well, you see, the Holy Spirit wants to get involved in all our lives. 
And it's important to understand and to see that. And I want to show you something. It won't take but a few minutes here. I've got a whole message, but I'm not going to preach it. You, you know what we're doing. It says in Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, uh, say this verse, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by human might, not by human power, not by human genius, not by what we can do, but by the spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost still leads people. Hallelujah. And opens doors no man can close. Hallelujah. So this is a tremendous thing. And there are two ways in which the Spirit of God leads people and carries out God's plan. Watch this. There's two ways. One, he shuts a door. Have you ever had God shut a door? Oh, the building we have, it's a miracle. God shut the door. These two men came from Ohio and sat down in my office. I didn't know anything about this building, what it was worth. And they said, uh, Reverend, you want to buy this building? I'd call them. They said, uh, well, what do you want to give for this building? I said, I'd like to give 650000 And they looked at each other and laughed. It was not connecting. And he said, can't you come up a little bit? I said, no, that's the number. I, I have to stick with it. Well, they went back to Ohio, and they sold that building to somebody else. But the problem was the building needed a roof, which would cost $130,000 back then. And so the man that bought the building... Would not he wanted them to pay for the roof, and they would they weren't going to do it. And I sat there and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm in that Mexican restaurant across from the church, and I said, Lord, if my pride's gotten in the way, if something I've done wrong, help me, forgive me. And it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, It's not over. And I got another call, and that call was, Do you still want this building? And I said, Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, let me, I'll call you back. So I got my dad on the phone, and I said, Dad, what do you think about this? He said, take it. So I said, okay, we'll take it. So we bought it for $675,000, plus we had to put the roof on it, which was a good deal. It appraised here just a while back for $16 million. It was amazing, amazing. We don't owe a dime on that building. Don't owe anything on that building. Thank God. Hallelujah. And so God just helped us. He put it together and made it work. That door shut, but it opened. Sometimes you'll want something. You're maybe going to move into a building, and it closes on you. How many know? You, you wanted a, 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 a house, and someone else bought it. Something you wanted, and it didn't work out for you. Sometimes God will close a door for our own good. And then there are times when he permits an advance summons to a definite work, and he says, do it. Go do it and the door was blocked in Acts chapter 16 I'll just give you the verses and the door was blocked into Asia and Bithynia but it opened into Europe so here's Paul the apostle he wants to go into these areas and preach evangelize but it says the spirit suffered them not to go but then it changed and one door was closed another door was open and this has been seen all through the scripture, Acts 16, uh, Acts 16, verse 6, uh, there was a great harvest that, that came. Acts 16, verse 15, the conversion of Lydia. Acts 16, 33, the Lord's first disciple. 
and families saved in Europe and the salvation of that Philippian jail. One thing right after the other, there's an awakening in the Bereans and they begin to study the scriptures to see if this is all true. And then there's Athens and they get a trophy convert. I could go all the way down. They're burning witchcraft stuff. I mean, there's a move of God in all of those places. Acts 16.15, Acts 16.33, Acts 17.11, Acts 17.33, and Acts 19.19. And it says they brought all their witchcraft and all their stuff and they burned it because they had gotten saved. Sometimes a door may close on you even in a business deal. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't do that. And you don't know why, but if you listen, he'll open a better door for you. He'll open a better door. So I've always reminded Marie, aren't you glad that you didn't marry that other guy? But the truth is, it was a God deal. Now all through, and I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna say this last little story. God demands our cooperation and our alliance with him. That's where we respond. Ships don't go until they're moving. You have to be moving. You've got to be doing something. If you're in a local church, be a, be a ministry there. Be a help there. And oftentimes, we're waiting for a title or we're waiting for something. When God says, I want, you, I want you to know something, you've got to do something here before I can do something there. It's important. And so all through the scriptures and in, in history, it talks about these special people that God used and how they wanted to go in one direction but they literally made history in another direction. Livingston's goal was China. God's purpose was Central Africa. Carrie looked out with a burdened heart on the great Polynesia in the South Seas, and yet it was to India that his steps were directed. And then uh, Carrie goes into, and into uh, India, and then the, uh, Judson determined and, and devoted his strength in India. He, they, they knew that's what God wanted to do, and then he just changed and put them in a different direction. God doesn't give us a road map and say, now you just pick it out and you do it. It doesn't do that. I almost moved to Los Cruces, New Mexico, before we came to Colorado Springs. But it wasn't coming together. Marie didn't want to go to Los Cruces. And I said, well, I don't know why. This is a good city. It's open. There's lots of Hispanic people. They get people. They have their family and social. They, they can help us, you know. So I went to my pastor, and I said, uh, I want to go to Las Cruces, but Marie doesn't want to go. He said, well, God talks to her too. I said, he does. <laughs> but because we just waited. But he said, the church in Colorado Springs isn't going to open up. That man could sell that building and go to Acapulco and, and sit out on the beach for six years on that money. But it did open up. And thank God that it did. So what I'm sharing with you tonight is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's more than just tongues. He's more than just power. He is indeed God. And we've left him out in a lot of our Christianity. The Holy Spirit is very precious. And in one place he's called the helper. He helps us. He helps us. Now I've learned that if we'll be sensitive and we'll respond to him and we will do his will, he will help us. He will help us. 
I was raised in church. My dad pastored seven Assembly of God churches. We lived all over the place. We lived under the church, on top of the church, behind the church, on each side of the church. We lived in all these places. I went to 16 different schools. And we finally got into the barbering business. And I went to barber school when I was 14. I told them I was 16. So you know I was a little sinning brat. But we're in this barber shop, and here's what happened. I don't say this a lot because I don't think I should, but let me just share it with you. This is what my dad told me. He said he was standing there away from the back bar, which you keep your tools. And he was just standing there meditating. And he always believed in the Holy Ghost. And he believed that God would help us. But we were raised in poverty. We didn't know. No one ever preached on tithing all the time I was raised in church. No one ever preached on tithing. It, it wasn't even mentioned. And we're struggling. We're working. We're, I got license in five states. So I support myself in the ministry. But my dad was standing there. And the Lord spoke to him. And here's what he said. Go sit in that chair. Now, he could have argued with the, with the Lord and said, what is this all about? What's this chair got to do with anything? But listen, the Holy Spirit may have you ask forgiveness. He may ask you to give something. He may ask you to witness. And unless we're willing to obey the Holy Spirit, he's not really going to deal with us very much. He doesn't just entertain us. He's looking for response. And so he just went over there, and Dad's only got an eighth-grade education, and uh, he went over there, and he sat in that chair. While he's sitting in that chair, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I'm going to give you much money, but don't be stingy. And the reason he said don't be stingy is because he was stingy. I, I don't say that disrespectfully. But when you get an offering with only a nickel in the plate, that's all he got in one offering, a nickel in the plate. We lived off of what food that people brought, called a pounding. A pound of this, a pound of that, and, you know, don't be stingy. My mother was with my dad in Waxahachie, Assemblies of God Bible School. She had the diapers back in the days when you had to wash those diapers. She was walking down that alley with a basket full of diapers. And as she walked down that alley, she's just a little girl, got red hair, and I can see her bent over struggling. She's bringing those diapers down to the laundromat, and the Holy Spirit spoke to her. He said, don't worry about it. Someday you're going to be a millionaire. Folks, I'm telling you what. Listen, God does miracles for people who will be simple enough to receive it. Amen. He told me the other day, he said, I thought, how much money did you make, Dad? He said, oh, about 50 million. But that's chicken feed for God. Amen. Don't be stingy. Amen. I'm thankful tonight for my dad. He's 90 years old. He's as ornery as can be. But, you know, he's got a reason. He's 90. Time you get to be 90, you can be mean. You know, do what you want. But the truth is, with an eighth grade education, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. And I could tell you all these wonderful stories, but unless we receive and act on it, we'll never experience it. 
Amen. He bought a trailer park called Mobile Home Parks in, uh, in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. And he bought this park for $250,000. They were going to the lawyer's office the next day. When he went to the lawyer's office, there were two men there that owned this park. And the lawyer leaned back in his chair and he said, Mr. Jones, this uh, park is going for too little. These men don't realize it's worth. He said, this is, uh, this is uh, too little for these people. And they were just sure that he would say, okay, forget it. But you know what? He said, I'll take it. Just like that. They were too embarrassed to back out. He kept it one year. Now I'm giving glory to God. One year. And sold it for a million three hundred and fifty thousand dollars That's God. That's God. Our girl, Deonza, loves horses. And this precious couple here uh, gave her a horse. And he's just a little guy. He's like a big dog. I mean, he just pushes you over and puts his rump around to you. Just ornery. But you know what? He's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he laid down. He wouldn't get up. We thought he was going to die. The vet came out, looked at him. And Deonza said, this horse is a blessing from God. This vet was so sarcastic, she said, I wouldn't call it a blessing. He's not going to live. But he's living, and he's getting bigger. And I told Deonza, wouldn't it be an amazing story if we just put him in the Kentucky Derby and won that race with that horse? That's why, as a fellowship and any fellowship we've been in, moves and can do something because of people just like us, people that are ordinary, who magnify the ordinary, who get excited about what God can do. Oh, I could tell you many more stories of how God's helped us through all kinds of things. And he continues to help us. I could tell you how I went to Cuba twice without a right, without a passport. Amen. Amen. And I thought, sure enough, they're going to put me in jail down here. But you know what? The old boy did like he did for Dustin. He just stamped it and said, go on. God, God. He's the Lord of the church. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Hallelujah. He owns all the taters in Idaho. He owns everything in the world. Thank God. He's able. He is real. He's powerful. He is a God who blesses. He gives miracles. He does wonderful things for people who believe him and cry out and say, God, have mercy and help us in this situation. We can't do it, but Lord, we know you can. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's faithful to bring it to pass. Glory, hallelujah. 